0: Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's doing well, staying healthy, staying safe, doing what they got to do to stay active mentally and physically. Hope uh, your Netflix subscription is up to date and you're listening to some great music and you're enjoying the uh, extended vacation, as you may call it. But I know we're all looking to get out and about, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think uh, we may have turned a corner, but it's still kind of a wait-and-see process. Still a lot of questions that need to be answered, and we're here for you at The Hook Rocks. We've increased our content over the last few weeks. Hope you're all enjoying the new episodes. Did five last week, we're doing five this week, we're doing five the next week, so hopefully it's an escape for you to rid yourself of the worries that are going on right now. You can follow us on Twitter at The Hook Rocks, and you can also find us on Facebook at The Hook Rocks as well. Today, from Austin, Texas, on the New Music Spotlight is a band that I have grown to love and, and enjoy, not just recently, but over the last year. Uh, it's a band that I think great things are coming for. They're from Austin, Texas. The band is Blackheart Saints, and the guest today is guitar player Mark Sean. How are you doing today, man? Hey, Jerry. How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of you guys. Been a big fan for a while. Great music, great songs. Glad to have you on.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: So we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the show. And that is the essence of the Hook Rocks podcast. And just like every song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment—whether it's a band, a performance, a song, or album—that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Man, you know, um, I think it was when I heard uh, the band Audio Slave. Um, you know, it's uh, two great bands. You know, obviously, you had Soundgarden and um, Ritchie's Machine came together and put out this, uh, what I would call a masterpiece. I think that's really what got me hooked on uh, rock and roll. And, you know, those guys were just uh, larger than life and it kind of inspired me. And I think that the rest of the guys kind of uh, take a stab at it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a classic album. It is definitely a masterpiece, like you said. It's a perfect album. I, I listen to it frequently and it sounds just as good today as it did when it was released. The album's what? 15 years old, I want to say, 16 years old. At least. Yeah. At least, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, granted, we don't have Chris Cornell with us anymore, but his voice and his music live on with bands like Soundgarden and Audio Slave. And yeah, it's just a great album. Where did it go from there in terms of your musical interest?
1: Um, well, you know, so. Um I've always been into, like, big riffs, you know, as far as a guitar player. Um, Black Sabbath, the early stuff, you know, was always uh, uh, a big inspiration. Um, you know, just the classic rock I kind of grew up on that. My, I mean, my parents uh, got me uh, interested in that just by playing it around the house, you know. Um, I was the only musician in my family, though, so... Um, but, yeah, just uh, grew up with some of the greats and then got into some more modern stuff, you know, kind of the... The grunge era, uh, sort of things. Pearl Jam, uh, Alice in Chains, uh, Soundgarden, and then uh, just kind of like you know went back in the catalog as well, and, and kind of explored um, Aerosmith, um, AC/DC, and uh, I think that's just kind of yeah, what, that's what, that's what I grew up listening to. So,
0: now was there a moment where you felt a need to pick up the guitar, play on stage?
1: you know i i'll be honest with you it was, it was all about uh to get chicks uh you know, I wasn't very good at uh at sports or a lot of other things so I, I just found that as my as my ticket you know to get the girls and uh to get a little bit of that notoriety and uh kind of led me where i am today you know
0: i I am familiar with that type of uh philosophy i i remember reading an interview years ago with gene Simmons. And he was asked, you know, why he got into rock music, and he was like, "To get chicks." And <laughs> I'm sure that's always a motivation for most people in a band. So that that's awesome that uh, you uh, answered that way.
1: What about writing? Well, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bullshit. Well, I was gonna say I'm not gonna bullshit you on that and, and have some kind of a lofty artistic answer. You know, uh, I just wanted to uh, be honest with you on that. So.
0: That's a perfect answer. So yeah, that's great. Where did it go from there in terms of songwriting? Was there a, a song that you heard, lyric that connected with you that kind of pulled you into that part of music, creating music, writing music?
1: I think that it was the um, so the, the power of rock and roll, really. And it, I sound kind of cheesy to say that, but it's really just. Um, the energy that was conveyed, you know, so um, let's say, you know, you can con- contrast that to country music or maybe mainstream pop, you know, just didn't really speak to me. I never really was into uh, those sorts of things. So I think just the the, the the power that came through the speakers, you know, um, you, just, you just felt larger than life and, um, you know, we looked at uh, some of those people in rock, you know, as, as superheroes and larger than life and uh, I think it was, uh, you know, very inspirational.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the energy means so much to rock. As long as the, you know, as as well as the words in the lyrics to songs. I mean, you can point to bands that are just phenomenal live and just do it for you. You know, when you see them in concert. And then there's the the structure of the song, the way it connects to you, whether it's about partying or having a good time, or whether it's a deeper subject that you know, bands write about as well, something personal. Whatever it is, rock and roll has the ability to connect with you on so many different levels. For sure. So you guys are from Austin. The music scene is pretty prevalent out there. Talk about that. Talk about growing up or or getting involved in the music scene in Austin, Texas.
1: Yeah, so um, all of us are actually from other cities. We just uh, met each other in Austin. Um, So I actually grew up in uh, Indiana. And, um, made my way to Austin as soon as I could just to sort of meet more people involved in music and bench out and kind of make something. So, um, I mean, the scene in Austin is great. It's very supportive. Uh, a great community here, lots of great people. I, I would say though that it's not very, um, rock and roll focused, you know. Um, we did have some great bands like Dangerous Toys, you know, that came out of Austin, but. Um, I think that, uh, you know, most people think of Austin, they think of blues, they might think of folk, Americana, that's pretty big still today. Uh, So, you know, we're just, we're kind of, um, you know, uh, holding the flag of rock and roll here in Austin, but, um, you know, it's just, it's a great city, great community overall.
0: I'd have to think that because there's not a lot of rock in Austin, that a band like yourself can create a following for those that need rock. Well, in Austin, you know what I mean. Yeah, there's uh, definitely demand. I mean,
1: there's some great venues too in Austin. You know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, with the whole um, COVID nineteen situation, uh, a lot of places have have closed. But um, you know, there's the, the Dirty Dog, for example, on Sixth Street. Uh, there's Come and Take It Live. Uh, some some great venues here. Um, there's there's a great scene. There's even you know goth and punk scenes here too that don't get a lot of credit, but.
0: That's great. It's kind of like a a buffet of music, which, you know, a lot of towns and a lot of cities across the country don't have. So. Absolutely. Your first album was alive, it was a full length record. The new release was Misery from last year, the EP. Great EP. The videos are incredible. How did the concept come about for the four videos that you did for the Misery EP?
1: Well,. We wanted to do something different. So every time we um we put out a new record or EP, we uh just wanted to kinda of do something out of you know, that's just not the norm, what not what you would expect from us or maybe any other band. So um <clears throat> the concept behind these four um music videos was we kinda of realized that in in today's world of releasing music, you have to um create a buzz so if you just drop the whole album for example well then okay that album's out there and then you're not going to get you know you can only really promote that once so we thought we'd stretch stretch this out by putting out a a video because everybody wants to see a visual uh component of the song as well um so we we kind of uh you know josh wrote the lyrics for these songs i i was involved in the riff writing that's kind of how it starts with a riff and then josh will Take it and he'll tweak things and you know, write, write lyrics to it. Um, but they, all these songs, uh, kind of tied together. And, um, we, if you saw the, the, the video series, it kind of follows the band, uh, based upon a lot of our travels on tour, uh, loosely based, I guess, but, uh, um, it follows the band across the whole day where we, you know, we're um, in the Texas hill country and then we make a stop at the recording studio and, uh, through some weird twists and turns, we finally make it to the gig, uh, which is uh, short at the song uh, Misery. So um, it was a really fun thing to make. Uh, we had our buddy, uh, Taylor Fredericks, from Static Heart Productions. He is the guy who's been doing all the music videos for this far, and uh, he's always been a pleasure to work with.
0: I like the video for Addicted to Love, how you guys played pay tribute to the old Robert Palmer video, which I thought was really cool.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, we definitely wanted to kind of uh, put a little of the original video in there and kind of spice it up as well.
0: What I like about the music and I like a, what I like about your presentation is it brings the fun back in rock and roll. And there's some great music out there that has some very serious subjects, and that's great too. But I think the fun, like what you guys do and there's a couple other bands to do as well, I, I think that's an important part that's been missing for a while.
1: You know, I agree. And, um, I can point to, um, one of our contemporaries, uh, Crowbot, you know, those guys, they put on a great show and they have, uh, a sense of humor about them, you know? Um, they don't, are, are you familiar with those guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't take themselves too seriously as you know, we don't either, but, uh, you know, they're just really down to earth great guys and, uh, um, you know, they had that the Recent stage prop with um, You know, let out, out of an egg I think that was kind of very final tap Influenced and a uh, really big What those guys are doing
0: Yeah, I, I the songs on your EP, I mean, just really kind of Resonate, they got great hooks, great melodies um, I know you guys did The, uh, the full length album, Alive Which I also enjoy too What was the decision in going from a full length To an EP?
1: Um, I, you know, I think it was just to get the most impact, uh, per song. And, um, as I mentioned earlier, just to, uh, change things up. So focus on, on them as, um, you know, creating a music video for each of these, I think it would be a little, you know, more difficult to create a music video for, um, like, let's say a 10 song album, for example. But, uh, you know, who knows what we might do next time. We're actually going to be in a studio next month. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we're starting pre-production on the next release. Uh, so, uh we're, you know, definitely every time we do something, it's going to be a little
0: different. What is the recording process for Blackheart Saints? You guys all come in with ideas. Is there, you know, you mentioned Josh write the lyrics, you write the riffs. Do Nathan and Ian have any part in the process too, as well?
1: Yeah. So, um, so the way it kind of starts off, um, you know, I'll get a riff idea. Um, you know, I think it's it's kind of similar to how I've. Um, I've seen uh, Tony Iommi describe uh, his process with Ozzy in, in, in some ways. You know, he'll come up with a with a riff, and I'll, I'll do the same thing, and uh, kind of record some ideas and pass them along to Josh first, just to kind of see if he likes where I'm going. You know, maybe he'll give me some initial feedback, and then uh, then we'll, be, you know, next practice we do, we we get together and we kind of introduce to uh, the other guys and just see what that kind of they have and maybe they'll have a little twist to add and then um from there um i would say we, we um so we have a fifth member of the band which is our producer um omar vallejo over at 512 studios um so he's been um you know very influential with uh producing and uh, helping us really take the songs to a new level and kind of being that um outside voice that uh You know, he can give us some great criticism and uh, great feedback. And uh, he really um, helps us, like, create, bring the best out of us, I would say.
0: Was there an evolution from Alive to the Misery EP in terms of the recording process, in terms of the writing process?
1: Sure. Um, I would say um, maybe with um, influence wise, I think we we took, um, you know, greater risks. I think that. Uh, we are kind of, uh, went more in a, a, in a southern, uh, rock direction, you know, just a little bit more. And, um, I think that's definitely, uh, going to become something that you, you'll probably hear a little more of, uh, down the road. I think adding that little Texas swag, you know, uh, to some of the songs, uh, has really helped us kind of, um, bring out the best of, of what we can do. Uh, so yeah, I think that we just kind of expanded our, um, our influences uh, a little bit in this record.
0: Now, y- your website mentions mentions a lot of uh, influence, such as you know Zeppelin and Aerosmith. You mentioned Audio Slave and some of the other bands that you talked about. How do you fuse all that together? How do you take from each individual's influence at Blackheart Saints and have that come out in the music?
1: Well, so I, I would say that that's that's what's great about it. just being in a band. You know, you have. Um, in this case, we have four different brains and four different backgrounds, and influences. And, um, you know, I think Josh has been listening to a lot, a lot more, um, soul, uh, music, you know, that I've, I've noticed a lot of the, the great stuff that came out of Detroit and so on. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's, it's great just to bring in some of these outside influences and, um, you know, uh, just combining those and see, seeing what happens, you know, trying to put more, of, uh, which I think is lacking in a, a lot of, modern rock is uh is just the soulfulness and uh more of the unique character you know there's a lot of cookie cutter stuff out there but i think that um the good thing is that there's a lot of great bands that are coming out right now that have kind of um taken back some of what i think rock and roll should should be about which is just uh you know grooving melodic uh with some edge
0: what is the history of black heart saints how did you guys form
1: Um, so we formed the band back in 2014. Um, so I was just, I just left uh, another band that I was in and I was on the hunt for uh, a lead singer. And, uh, funny enough, I was at a a local rehearsal space here called music lab and, uh, Josh had posted a flyer, which is very old school. Um, he posted a a flyer with his information, you know, a little, uh, phone number email. I just looked the guy up and, you know, he came from a uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, and uh listened to some of his tracks online to Steve McCall, and told him what i've been up to and uh we met up and uh yeah it's just been history since then
0: and how did you guys find the other members as well how did nathan and ian come to be in, in blackheart saints
1: well so we've had um you know our bass players and drummers in the, in, the, in the past and uh we eventually got to meet nate he was uh for example, he was uh, in San Antonio. Um, he came up in that scene, and uh, we heard a lot about him, and just crossed paths. And then uh, with Ian, as we call him, Mr. Mercury Man, in the band, and he uh, is from Wisconsin, and uh, came down here, and um, he was you know playing around with a couple different bands, and uh, we just we just met some mutual friends, and then uh, took him on his first tour, and uh, broke him in with the band.
0: Now after the album Alive came out You guys did some touring You know on the west coast And some other parts of the country The EP Misery came out We're in 2020 right now A lot of bands have had to pause The momentum that they had What's life like for you guys right now?
1: Well we've um, As we've always done in the past We have to just adapt And um, try new things You know so obviously we a lot of our shows we actually had a spring tour that got canceled uh that was going to be a, a midwest tour um so what we've done now is we've actually put out something called uh Blackheart saints tv or bhs tv for short and uh what that is is it's offering our fans a subscription-based uh sort of experience like, kind of like a netflix sort of experience where uh, we have original content uh even even some like more, um, you know, archival stuff, like let's, you know, stuff we've dug, dug up and, uh, given new life to. Um, so yeah, it's just been a, a, a great project to work on and definitely us busy and, uh, hopefully it keeps the fans satisfied and something we can build right now and, and, you know, just maintain that as, uh, for as long as we can.
0: Do you guys have a plan for what to do or what you're going to do once things do start to open up?
1: Um, yeah, so we're, we're working on, we're kind of eyeballing, um, the fall right now. So, uh, we are looking into, um, uh, Sturgis, uh, as our, our comeback. I, I guess you would say, uh, the Sturgis motorcycle rally up there in South Dakota. So, um, that would probably be our, you know, our reemergence, so to speak. But, uh, we're, we're also keeping our, you know, uh, eyes and ears open to see how these events will uh, carry on into the next few months. So I think just prepare for the worst, but. You know, prepare prepare for anything that that happens, you
0: know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really the thing. You know, we're in uncharted territory. We don't know what life is going to be like, what the new normal is going to be like, at least for the, you know, initial time when we do open back, you know, open the country back up. There's still so many questions that need to be answered. You know, we don't know how things are going to be affected, how people are going to view things. You know, I know I saw the mayor of L.A., come out earlier this week and state that there's going to be no concerts or sporting events in L.A. for 2020. Now, I don't know if that means that, you know, sporting events are are going to still be played but no fans. I don't know if, you know, bands will start to adapt and, and maybe play on stage and then you can pay to see them live, you know, whether it's on the social media platform or on another platform. There's a lot of things and a lot of possibilities that could happen, um, you know, it, it's just a shame that yourself, like, you know, the Blackheart Saints and a lot of other bands that I've interviewed had so much going on and so much momentum. Rock and roll is has had so much momentum over the last two years. And now everything's got to be put on pause. And maybe, after this yep. is all over, it comes back even stronger because, you know, in this downtime, you and others need that creative outlet so maybe everyone's writing incredible songs and incredible material and then once this is over all that stuff starts to come out and everything comes back with you know with a vengeance
1: you know i think so um you know there's been
0: some great bands that we've
1: had a pleasure to play with like uh dirty honey and uh those guys are blowing up and you know i think we're all just you know waiting chomping up a bit to get back get back in the swing of things and i mean i do have a, th- a little theory about about this whole thing i think that maybe it's going to help the you know smaller to mid-level bands um we, i mean obviously we've seen a lot of festivals get canceled but i think that um maybe these smaller clubs will you know people will go to these clubs and um and, and feel safe compared to going to a much larger event so there could be a silver lining to all this uh, I guess
0: you know, time will tell Yeah, that's one way to look at it that's a, that's a good point, I haven't thought about that I know myself Going to a large venue for me At least initially once this is over I, I think I might be hesitant However, if there is a small club Where I know a band's playing And I know it's not going to be As crowded as a larger Theater or stadium or arena I may be more Attracted to going to something like that so that's a good point. As far as the other members, you know, how do you guys keep, you know, in communication? How do you guys, you know, are you guys in separate houses? I know some bands rent out a house and they're all under one roof. What's that like for Blackheart Saints?
1: Um, so, you yeah, know, we're, we're all different uh, departments and houses and stuff. So uh, we've been, you know, keeping to ourselves, I guess, and uh, just working on, new ideas and sending it to each other online and uh just really preparing for uh next month when we do enter the studio and just getting everything everything ready uh so i think it's um you know it, it feels a little weird because we haven't really had a, a lot of rehearsals uh since this whole thing you know uh has started so um but i think we're overall we're just i know i can speak for myself but you know just really getting honing my skills and getting ready to uh to the studio and then you know hopefully the road by this fall
0: we touched on it a little bit with the state of rock and roll and how prior to this global event rock and roll was really kind of underneath the surface and building momentum and there's been a couple of bands that have been able to punch through a little bit you know whether it's rival sons however you know they've been around for 10 years or You know, Greta Van Fleet, The Struts, you mentioned Dirty Honey. There's other bands too as well that are doing some great things. Goodbye June is one of those bands. I think it's ready to take over again. And if you look at the history of rock and roll throughout its time, there's always been periods where people forgot about it and people said it was over. And then it came back harder, and it came back bigger than ever. And I think that's about to happen because there's so many great bands like your, like Black Blackheart Saints, that are creating great music and great vibe, great a great you know movement that's about to take over again. When you see all these other bands about to emerge, and yourselves, Blackheart Saints being in its, in the beginning stages. What are some of the challenges that you guys face in with the infrastructure or the lack of infrastructure of rock and roll? I mean, you guys pretty much have to do it yourselves now. So, what are some of the challenges that you guys deal with when getting your music out to an audience, building an audience as well? You know,
1: that's a good question, and you know, it really comes down to, to where people um, look for new music and uh, you know where, where people find new music and where they get introduced to it, you know? So I I think that the landscape's changed, um, obviously. um, The record labels, they may even, the ones that are still around, you know, may pretend that they figured it out. But I don't think anybody really, you know, has a a concrete game plan. So I think we're all just sort of trying ideas and seeing that if they stick. And um, you you have to... Uh, Evolved with the, obviously streaming is is a big uh, deal right now on Spotify and you know there's limited playlists that are that get the most eyeballs. You know there's anybody can make a playlist, for example, but there's only you know a few that will that are really getting the most attention. So you know I think there's a lot of friendly competition out there, but I, you know I, I I'm optimistic about things because I think that uh, as they say you know the uh, the cream rises to the top and um, you know we've seen a lot of great friends like you know great bands like Dirty Honey uh get the the recognition that they deserve and I think as far as the mainstream grappling on to this I, I think that kind of remains to be seen but that's that's okay I mean I think rock and roll uh works best when it's sort of underground and um you know who knows I think um I think people will eventually be striving for uh, to experience th- something that's more authentic than than the music that you know, is kind of pushed in our throats. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm very, I'm very hopeful with that. And I think that we've seen a lot of, um, you know, younger people at the show. So it's kind of, kind of interesting because you have some of the, you know, maybe 50 and up, and then you have people that are like, you know, 22 and younger, you know, so there's this big gap of people that, um, you know, that are, I think you're going to see your fan bases sort of fragment a little bit because a lot, a lot of people are coming up. They're listening to Greta Van Fleet. Uh, they're listening to Dirty Honey and uh they're getting inspired and it's kind of create a new generation of, of rock and roll.
0: Absolutely. I, I think they're I mean not just in the US but Canada has some great bands as well and, and as the UK has a great emerging scene as does the rest of you know the, the European countries as well and there's some stuff in Australia. I really think the scene is global now. I mean you you have the ability to be Blackheart Saints and get your music to people all over the world, which is very unique, which never used to be like that. And, of course, over the last decade, couple decades, it's been growing and growing. I had a a really interesting interview months ago with Chris Lane from a band called Station, and he said that, you know, whereas the scene used to be in New York or L.A. or every every market kind of had their own rock scene back in the day, the scene truly is the world. And I think that's really cool because you have that ability to do that. How do you guys find your audience? How do you guys manage your social media? Well,
1: uh, you know, so I think it's important to stay engaged and kind of keep your thumb on the pulse of of what's happening. Um, you know, with the different networks. So, um, you know, we, we, we leverage, um, all of them, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. We even actually, uh, just recently, um, I got into TikTok just to see, you know, test the waters there and see if that's going to be viable. But um, I, you know, I think that uh, you just have to uh, sort of follow the trends, but also have your own uh, method and and find out find new ways of, and just try things. You know, trial and error. Um, you know, for example, we'll use Facebook to you know show the merch that we have, especially now that we're not you know on the road at the moment. Uh, merch is a big Um, income stream, you know, uh, that kind of hopefully can make up for some of the lost income with from beyond the road. But we, you know, we've adapted to uh, the times and, you know, for example, we just put out this week, we have a, uh, like a face mask, uh, uh, Blackheart Face branding face mask. Um, So we're, you know, we're, we're leveraging social media to really push those products and to like to keep people informed on what we're doing.
0: I saw that. And I and I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and I said, watch, I said, there's going to be rock bands, sports teams, all coming out with their masks here over the next, you know, few weeks and few months. And I think that's great. I mean, hey, you know, I mean, if that's going to be what the world is like, you know, for the next six months to a year, you, you got to take advantage of stuff like that. Yeah, you got to strike while the iron's hot, for sure. Absolutely. With... Connecting with your fans, and there's so many different platforms out there, whether it's Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, YouTube, you name it. Where, you know, do you think that there's too many platforms for people to find music? One of the things that I always hear from rock music fans is they don't know where to find new music. And I think sometimes it can be intimidating or overwhelming to someone who goes online and is looking for rock music and they've got everything coming at them. Do you think some you know do you think there is too many options or do you think more the merrier what's your thoughts on that
1: You know I think it's a kind of a double-edged sword because yes there are uh, a lot of other ways to discover music than traditionally that there were in the past but it's it's very segmented and, splint- and splintered um you know for example I think in the rock world you have um you know Sirius XM Octane that's one channel where uh it's kind you know it's just it's one channel and uh they have some of the newer hard rock stuff on there and uh but I, I think people are moving away from that and I think spotify is uh a, a big thing right now and, um and then another way to get out there is just to be on the road, but obviously we can't do that right now so I, I think that a lot of the um you know bands that are that are coming up like us we will you know look for opportunities to open up uh we uh, for other big bands like for example we've uh, been able to get a lot of fans by you know, playing shows with Slash or Steel Panther and uh, kind of opened up for some of the bigger names which really helped get the word out there but um, but yeah I think especially now you have to really be creative with how you can uh, get three to people maybe find bands that you um, relate to or you know bands you might think that you listen to and, and people might also, you know, like Blackheart Saints, for example. So kind of targeting those fans and uh, just seeing what we can do just to uh, get through to people.
0: I agree. You know, it, it really is, you know, it's constantly evolving. You know, what is popular at one moment will change very quickly. You know, what what song is released on Friday by Monday, you got to, you know, keep your audience's attention, which I think is a smart thing to do with the EP that you mentioned you know with all those videos coming out at different times it really keeps your audience captivated and interested because it's very easy to be forgotten in the world of technology right now because there's so much people's attention spans are very short so you really need to hang on to them and keep them focused on what you're doing with that being said what do you think and you mentioned TikTok you know, what do you think in terms of Blackheart Saints, you know, elevating themselves to a wider audience? What do you think it's going to take? Do you think it's going to just take being on the road, opening for acts that bring in audiences that, you know, get to check you guys out? And then it filters off into social media? Is that kind of what the cycle or the machine is like? Well, it, you know, obviously it, it's going
1: to take a lot of money to, to really get to, you know, to people. And that's the other side of, of uh, the industry that people don't tend to talk about a lot is just the the amount of, uh, money invested in, um, uh, in marketing campaigns, you know, whether that's advertising or, uh, you know, through con- traditional means or through social media, you know, for example, buying Facebook ads, uh, targeting people, uh, from, you know, if you like this band, you might like our band kind of thing. So, um, I think that you gotta, you gotta kind of like pay attention to where the, the eyeballs and the ears are right now. And, um, I think it, especially during these times you have people on their phones a lot. So um, I, I think social media is a big part of that. Um, I think maybe there's other ways of, of getting through to people as well. Uh, partnering with other brands, for example, um, you know, uh, Harley Davidson is doing a lot of streams, for example, of bands. And I think that's a great partnership um, where you have, you know, a motorcycle company that's, that's showing um lot streaming music and, you're kind of getting those fans uh, for both brands or, you know, being being involved. So I think, I think doing strategies and campaigns that are, that speaks to the lifestyle of the people you're, you're reaching, you're trying to reach uh, makes a lot of sense to me.
0: When you guys did the tour of like the West coast and you guys were able to bring in, you know, a a new audience or new people into the realm of, of Blackheart Saints, what, Was that, you know, like, too, as well? I mean, venturing out of Austin, was that the first time you guys did something like that?
1: Um, So, yeah, we we did, the first tour that we did um, as Blackheart Saints uh, was our our first Road to Sturgis tour, uh, which kind of took us up um, uh, through Texas all the way to South Dakota. We played Colorado and uh, Kansas and quite a few places, kind of more in the middle of America, but, um but yeah, a tour you're talking the other tour uh was a west coast tour that we did shortly after that and uh yeah it's just a great it's great being on the road and um experiencing new cities and um you know it's it really shows you what america is about and i we really enjoy you know playing smaller towns a lot of times than than bigger cities because i think people when you come to a, like let's say Lubbock, Texas, for example, uh, or Elk, Indiana, for that matter. Uh, people are, you know, they're more, they're, they're interested in in, in the entertainment aspect because they don't get it as often. Um, so it's, it's, it's more of a special thing to them. And, uh, it's really cool to really just, um, make somebody's night. And that's what we try to do. You know, every, every time we perform, we try to just give them, uh, more than their money's worth with, uh, the entertainment aspect and just, you know, just rock and roll. It's, it's, you know, it's not that complicated. It's just about having a good time. Uh, it's about, you know, just listening to some great music and just more creating a community. It's all about peace and love, really.
0: Yeah, then that's interesting you say that because I hear that a lot from people that live in smaller markets where bands don't, come through their town as much as you know the bigger markets and a lot of those fans do feel forgotten a lot of those fans you know don't want to have to make the hour hour and a half two hour trek every time a band they're interested in is playing and I think that's a huge thing to play those areas and to to connect with those fans because those I mean they're thirsting for for live rock and roll for sure as you know you move forward I know you know this is um this whole situation has put a, you know, a damper on expectations and the movement that I, I, I spoke about. When you are going to be going into the studio and recording new music, is this going to be the continued evolution of Blackheart Saints? Have you guys found your sound yet, or is it always something that will always evolve based on what's going on with your music taste and what's going on outside in the outside world? You know, I
1: think it's, um, it's always going to change a bit and it's going to be reflective of, um, you know, what we're experiencing, you know, as individuals and as a band. You know, I, I know Josh writes a lot about, uh, you know, his own personal experiences and relationships and that sort of thing. Um, you know, musically, you know, I, I try to expand, um, what I've, you know, for example, I'm, I've been listening to, uh, a lot of, uh, Richie Kotzen lately. So you might maybe some of that will fill into this uh, new album we'll see you know so um, I just think it's important to uh, try to check out new music as much as possible and then it's always fun too to just to dig into um, some of the the older stuff you know just for example I I pulled out uh, uh, Never Say Die Um, you know so um, I think that it's just great to explore new things and old things you know when you can
0: Never Say die a very underrated album by Black Sabbath. Richie Cotson, a extremely underrated artist. I just did an interview with him back in February for his 50 for 50 album and absorbing something like that with 50 songs is is still a work in progress for me. I mean, there's like I was going through some of the tracks. I'm like, oh I'm like I, I forgot what that song is like and I had to listen to it again. but he's an artist that always needs to be, Turning the page and moving forward and evolving. If you I mean if you look at some of his earlier stuff to now with the Winery Dogs and everything in between, it's, it's always sounds like Richie. It's got some very soulful stuff, but you know he does a lot of different things, and he's a, such an accomplished musician. He's just he's he's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah,
1: you know, and I, I think um, uh, for sure, I think he definitely is under uh, appreciated, uh, and, and he's really talented he's got a lot of really cool things that he does Just even um you know speaking from a guitar player perspective the, the phrasing that he that he does and uh the way that he thinks of uh how he kind of melds this rock with a lot of a lot of soul soulfulness and a lot of uh you know r&b and there's some prince influences in there too so um yeah he's he's definitely a, a great talent we got to play with uh winery dogs in san antonio and that was uh, great time, got to meet you know, Billy Sheehan and and Mike Portnoy. Uh, great band, great people.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know, I mean, he's got that Prince vibe with you know a little bit of Stevie Wonder and Terrence Trent D'Arby, and and then he can shred like nobody's business, which is just incredible. Oh yeah, oh yeah, terrific. Last question: If you were to tell people what Blackheart Saints is about, what would you tell them?
1: I would tell them that we're just a a little old band from Texas that's here to have a good time. Uh, We're here to take you back to your glory days. We're also here to show you something new. Um, So that's what I would say about the band.
0: And I think you're spot on, too. I mean, you know, it does sound... I, I can definitely hear your influences in your music, but I also think it's got a modern vibe to it, which is really cool. I think that the music that I've heard from you guys, whether it's the Misery EP or the al- live album, I think it is top-notch. I think to all my list- listeners, if you're listening or wanting new rock music and you, and you want to explore that, it's a good place to start, like I say, with a lot of bands that come on this show. You know, the the music and the groove and the hooks for Blackheart Saints are incredible. They are a band that I think have a lot of great things coming. Once this pause in the world is, is done with and over with but they're a great band they're a fun band to listen to and i think if you like the aerosmiths and the led zeppelins and the acdcs and all that stuff you're going to like Blackheart saints mark it has been thank a pleasure yeah mark it's been a pleasure i uh, thank you for doing this i've been wanting to have you guys on for a while i've really been loving your music since i discovered it last year thanks again for doing the podcast Thank you,
1: Jay. Keep
0: rocking once again, everybody. That's Mark Sean The band is Blackheart Saints. Check them out. Check out their EP, Misery. Check out their album, Alive. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at the Hook Rocks, Facebook at the Hook or Facebook the Hook Rocks. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. <laughs>